Welcome to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast that takes you freewheeling down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia. Each week, we pick a starting point, and then who knows where all the twists, turns and tangents will take us. But we'll be sure to discover a treasure trove of frivolous facts that will be as fascinating as they are useless. When One Thing Leads to Another is produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. Our theme music is by Justin Mitchell. This is episode seven. Oysters. Now, we live in the seaside town of Whitstable in Kent. We do. Uh, here in the United Kingdom. And I think it would be fair to say that Whitstable is probably best known for its oysters. Yes. We have brackish waters here on the Thames Estuary, which is the preferred environment for said oysters. So I thought I would start our journey down the rabbit hole with some facts about oysters. Okay, well, I will. I'll try and feign interest then because I'm not a fan of oysters, unlike you, but I'm sure you're going to wow me with some pearls of wisdom. Oh, very good. Thank you. Now, did you know that most oysters start off as male and then change their sex to female, which means that they can fertilise their own eggs? Which made me think that that means that they don't have to go on sort of awkward dates and do the whole, you know, trying to find a partner, perhaps. Yeah, would make life a lot easier, wouldn't it? Would it be true to say that they can go f*** themselves? No, that's too much. <laughs> right, now you've heard the old adage that you should only eat oysters when there is an R in the month. That's what I hear. Yeah, that's what they say, innit? Um, but apparently that's if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, oh. During the months of May to August, um, oysters are busy spawning and their flesh becomes unpleasantly soft and milky. Oh. Um, which is sort of ironic given the fact that Whitstable has its oyster festival in July. Yes, I know. I've always thought that a bit strange. Um, however, I learn here on the internet that with the way that oysters are now farmed, the R in the month rule no longer applies. Oh, OK. Um, anyway, um, yeah, oysters. Uh, apparently, King Henry IV tossed back 300 as an appetiser. That was... Uh, what, in one sitting? Yeah, well, that's what I've read. 300? 300, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Casanova reportedly consumed 50 to 60 oysters a day. Ah, so is that why they have a reputation for being an aphrodisiac, perhaps? Because he was a bit of a ladies' man, wasn't he? It's true, yeah. If Casanova was necking loads of oysters all the time and then getting laid left, right and centre, I was thinking that, but apparently not. Mm. Well, that that is to say not according to the internet. Um, I've read that an oyster contains omega-3, a fatty Uh, acid. uh, Yes, Um, which may increase blood flow, thus aiding the tumescence required for successful reproduction or recreational enjoyment. Okay, so it is actually a physiological thing. Apparently so. They also contain zinc, which helps create testosterone, apparently. So maybe these might be the origins of the whole oysters being an aphrodisiac thang. Well, King Henry IV must have been absolutely bursting at the seams 24 hours a day. (laughs) I realised that I didn't know too much about old Casanova, Mm. other than the fact that he was successful with the ladies. Um, But he was originally from Venice. Of course. Of course he was. Of course he was. And he shagged his way all over the place. London, Paris, Corfu and Constantinople. And he fathered so many illegitimate children, it became impossible for him to keep count. Um, Now, I read here that this got dangerous in 1761 when, or so he claims, he met a young woman 
who he took back to his place for some rumpy pumpy, before realising she was probably his daughter. Oh. So he made his excuses and didn't go through with the dirty deed, which I think comes as a relief, right? He sounds like a bit of a knob, if you ask me. I'm not going to disagree. Now, if you did have any relief that he didn't go through with the dirty deed, I'm afraid it's a short-lived thing because sometime later, the mother of the young woman revealed that their daughter had married, but her husband couldn't have children. And so, according to him again, she requested that Casanova impregnate her. And if we are to believe his writings, Casanova fathered his own grandson, which takes us to a pretty dark place early doors. It, well, it's, it's a bit Jeremy Kyle, isn't it, really? So I was uh, having a little Google of Casanova myself and, yeah, there was a film made about the life of Casanova in 2005. Do you remember it? I can't say I do. Um, Starring Heath Ledger in the lead role. And um, it says here that apparently he said his appearance in that film was his least favourite. Oh, okay. I I don't think it was a a particularly well-received film. No, okay. Um, But one of his best roles and his favourite, apparently, was his role as the Joker in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. Oh, oh yeah, he was of, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he was. Ledger was previously offered the part of Batman by Nolan in the earlier film Batman Begins, but he turned it down. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then supposedly when he saw that film, okay. he thought it was brilliant, of course, yeah. and um, asked Nolan for a part in the next film. Oh, okay. So Nolan then gave him the part of the Joker. Yes, yes. Which leads me to um, a little nugget, actually, that I have already in my head about Christopher Nolan. Go on. If you, if you uh, don't mind veering off very, um, very briefly. That's what it's all about. And I know you'll enjoy this. Christopher Nolan's uncle... Go on. ...is John Nolan... Who's John Nolan? John Nolan is a British film and TV actor. Right. You you might not have heard of him. He's Christopher Nolan's uncle, but John Nolan's wife. Okay. <laughs> do you remember Hello Hello? Of course I do. Do you remember Helga, the German a sort of right-hand woman to hair flick. Oh, yeah, she was a sort of... She had the kind she of... She had the uh, blonde plaits. Slight dominatrix yes, vibe going exactly. on. Yes, exactly. Kim Hartman, actress Kim Hartman. Yeah. She is married to John Nolan, so she is Christopher Nolan's aunt. Oh, well, that's brilliant. One more thing about Heath Ledger. Um, his name... Yes. ..is actually um, inspired from the character Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights... And, ah, yeah, okay. and his sister Kate is named after the character Catherine. Ah, Kathy. I was just thinking it's an odd name, Heath. I've never met a Heath before. Yeah. So he's he's named after he was named after Heathcliff. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And talking. So is his full name Heathcliff? No. No, oh. it's Heath. Oh, okay. Just Heath. Okay. And talking of Wuthering Heights, okay. the, the song rather than the book. Okay. Heathcliff. Would you like to hear some Kate Bush-based facts? I would. Okay, John Lydon, yeah, right. aka Johnny Rotten. Johnny Rotten, who yeah. I'm sure you know I'm a, a big fan of, <laughs> not. That's about as far away from the truth as you can get. Yeah. Um, he claimed once that Kate, whom he is a big fan of, asked him to write some song ideas for her. And he did You're indeed... You're kidding. Yeah, and he did indeed write a song for her called Bird in Hand. And what? It's, and it's about the illegal parrot trade in South America. <laughs> you are kidding. Yeah, funnily enough, she turned it down. Wow. And you remember she duetted with Peter Gabriel on the song, Don't give up, you still have... Yeah. Um, did you know Go on. that Peter didn't originally have Kate Bush in mind for the song? 
Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Okay. Who did he have in mind, Who do you think? Who did he think? have in mind? Okay, I'm going to guess here. Alison Moyet. Good guess. No. Sinead O'Connor. That's a brilliant guess. And you managed to get as far away from the person in question as you possibly could. Who was it? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton! <laughs> and she turned it down. You're kidding? Yeah. Wow. Well, you, you can hear it's potentially got a bit of a country twang. Can you? Yeah, I think so. I can hear Dolly singing that. Okay, another bit of info about Kate Bush. Do you remember the video for her single, Running Up That Hill? Where she's doing her classic Kate Bush interpretive dance. I do, yeah. Well, MTV in America thought that the video was too weird. Apparently described it as too esoteric. (laughs) So instead of broadcasting that, they used Kate's performance on the Terry Wogan show as the official video. And also, the dancer who appeared with Kate Bush yeah. in, in that video, running up that hill. Oh, yeah, I think they're pretty agile. They're sort yeah. of, he's yes. sort of, he's thrown, sort her, of, about he's thrown her about a bit yeah. and she she's sort of crawling all over yeah. him. It's, it's pretty it's, it's pretty good bit of dancing there. Yeah, well, he was someone called, at the time, Michael Hervier. Okay. And he went on to star in the musical Aspects of Love right. in the West End in 1989. Onwards. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And during the show's run, yeah. he underwent gender reassignment surgery and right. took on the name Misha. Right. And according to some reports, Misha moved to Jersey in the Channel Islands after a lottery win. Right. And now works as a taxi driver over there. Well, how about that? Yeah. Right, can I get a rewind back to Oysters, where we began? You sure can. Okay, did you know that they can live to the ripe old age of 20? Oh, Oysters? Yeah, can you believe that? 20? Yeah. So you could potentially eat a 20-year-old oyster? I think that's right, yeah. No wonder you get the shits sometimes. (laughs) Now, you mentioned that you're not a big fan of oysters. Not really. Well, I think that the, um, the author of Gulliver's Travels, Jonathan Swift, would agree with you because he once said of oysters, and I quote, he was a bold man that first ate an oyster. Well, he was a bold man that first ate sort of anything, really, if you think about it. Eggs. Yeah, that's true. Drinking milk from a cow's udder. I mean, all of that takes a certain level of courage, doesn't it? Certain level of courage. And grit. And hunger. Yeah. Anyway, back to Jonathan Swift. I thought I'd have a little uh, research of Jonathan Swift and I found some interesting facts about him. Do you know that he invented the name Vanessa? What? Yeah, he invented the name Vanessa. He used it as his pet name for his girlfriend, Esther Van Homry. So he took the van from her surname Van Homry and added her first name Esther, or rather his pet name for her, which was Essa, and created Vanessa. Wow, okay. Um, It is also believed by scholars that Jonathan Swift wrote an essay called, and I quote, and you'll like this, The Benefit of Farting Explained. Oh. It was published under the pseudonym of, get this, Don Fartinando Puff Endorsed, Professor of Bumbast in the University of Krakow, and translated from Spanish into English at the request and for the use of the lady dump fart of her fartshire by Obadiah Fizzle, groom of the school to the princess of Arsimony in Sardinia. 
Uh, but it's widely accepted it was, in fact, Jonathan Swift, who enjoyed a spot of juvenile pranksterdom. I think I would have got on with Jonathan Swift very much. Now, the crux of the essay detailed the health benefits of farting, as well as the harmful effects of holding one's farts in. Well, he has a point. According to Swift, or rather Don Fartinando, holding gas in can cause, and I quote, cholics, hysterics, rumblings and belching. It's true. Um, Swift further claimed that such a habit can have other effects on women as well. Ooh. Quote, but in the women of a more strong constitution, it vents itself entirely in talkiveness. Hence, we have a reason why women are more talkative than men, unquote. Well, that's a load of bollocks. So, uh, so Swift concludes the essay with the claim that most of the social characteristics which separated the sexes is due to retained gas. OK, he's, he's lost me there now. Um, You've I'll, gone I'll right off him. Now, according to Swift... If men and women both farted with the same gay abandon, there'd be nothing to separate their behaviours. Right, so I mentioned there that Jonathan Swift invented the name Vanessa. Uh, yes. Well, it turns out he was quite partial to inventing uh, new words completely. And uh, yeah. uh, one of which I read with interest is the word Yahoo, oh. uh, which he had in Gulliver's Travels to describe an uneducated ruffian, or oik, as we might call them now. Oh. Do you know what you call a word that has been invented or coined in order to create a meaning that previously didn't exist? How I wish I could say that I did, but I don't. It's called a nonce word. A nonce word? How are you spelling that? N-O-N-C-E. And Wikipedia have a page dedicated to the subject of nonce words. Right. And there's a warning at the top not to be confused with the word nonce, <laughs> which is a very different thing. So um, the word rosa... Oh, yeah. A slang word for police officer was a nonce word. I think a lot of people mistake it as Cockney rhyming slang, but it's actually right. a word invented by Anthony Burgess. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, OK, from a clockwork, clockwork orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know how the main character, Alex, and his droogs have their own language called Nadsat. It yeah, was, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. made up by Burgess using Slavic language for inspiration. Oh, OK. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I then went down a little rabbit hole of... Anthony Burgess. OK. In the late 60s, Burgess was keen to avoid the then 90% tax rate he'd have been liable for. OK. He was earning a ton of money by then. So he and his wife jumped into a camper van and got out of the UK and drove all around Europe. Oh, OK. And while on their travels, Burgess wrote in the back while his wife Liana drove. <laughs> OK. Yeah. I can just imagine... You know, them swinging around the mountains of hairpin bends of uh, Italy, Italy or whatever yeah. like that, and then him, him trying to write in the back. He wrote the script for Franco Zeffirelli's miniseries, Jesus of Nazareth, starring Robert Yo, Powell you're in, kidding. in the camper van. You're joking. No, I'm not. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. OK. Robert Powell with his lovely blue eyes. That's right, yeah. Uh, and I found out something interesting and surprising about Anthony Burgess. Go on, go on. He was pals with the British comedian Benny Hill. Benny Hill? Yeah, and he gave a eulogy at Hill's funeral. You're kidding. He said of Benny Hill's death... <laughs> The gaiety of nations is dimmed. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yeah, isn't it? And Benny Hill, famously, yeah. got to number one in the UK charts with... Uh, Ernie, the fastest milkman in the West, right? Correct. It was actually the 1971 Christmas number one. Was it? Okay. Yeah. He won an Ivor Novello Award for it in 1972. Less well-known is the B-side to Ernie yeah. called Ting-a-Ling-a-Loo. 
<laughs> right, Ting a Ling a Loo, yeah. Which is a musical parody. Right. And um, Hill later suggested that his lyrics had yeah. been largely plagiarised in the Spitting Image 1986 hit song, The Chicken Song. You're kidding. Yeah, which is a bit rich given Hill had based Ernie on a song by Frank Gallup. Right. Called The Ballad of Irving. Okay. Which itself was a parody of a song called Ringo by Lorne Green, who incidentally <laughs> was the was a star in the US hit drama Bonanza. Wow. Nice string of tangential facts there. I like it. Yeah, and if you are thinking, well, how are the lyrics from the chicken song? plagiarising Ting-a-ling-a-loo. Here are some of the lyrics from Ting-a-ling-a-loo. Please. I'll stick me finger in me ear and go Ting-a-ling-a-loo. Ah. Me finger in me ear and go Ting-a-ling-a-loo. I'll just be like Nelson at the Battle of Waterloo. I'll stick me finger in me ear and go Ting-a-ling-a-loo. Okay, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's similar it's, to our stick a chicken in the air, was it? A, yeah, hold a chicken, chicken in, in the, the air, stick a deck chair up your, your nose. nose. Okay. Yeah, I guess you can it's, There you are can similarities, argue, but the yeah. fact that Benny Hill had... Uh, plagiarise someone else seems a bit rich as you as you said yeah so you know the famous benny hill music the um okay so that is a tune called yakety sax okay uh by a bloke called boots randolph Oh, yeah, okay, nice. So I did some digging around to find out more about Boots Randolph. Why wouldn't you? He was part of Elvis Presley's backing band wow. on a lot of his recordings from 1960, including Blue Hawaii and Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas! Yes, oh, wow, that correct. is absolutely brilliant. Yep. Veering off on Blue Hawaii. Yeah. Blue Hawaii was made at the same time as West Side Story, the original, of course. Okay. And did you know that Elvis right. had been offered the role of Tony in West Side Story? You're kidding. But Elvis's manager, Colonel Tom Parker, didn't think him right for the part. Okay. And he made Blue Hawaii instead. Well, how about that? It proved to be a shrewd move for Elvis because it was his most financially successful film. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the accompanying soundtrack album has sold over three million copies, which nice is why little earner. yeah, which is why Colonel Tom used Blue Hawaii as the blueprint for the rest of Elvis's films by wow. cunningly including an album's worth of songs into the films to maximise incoming spondulies. Ah, he was a cutthroat businessman, was the old he Colonel? Certainly was. Talking of Colonel Tom Parker, I have found an interesting article about him. Okay. Um, apparently, it has been discovered that Parker had been withholding details of his past, which mm. has led to some alarming speculation Ooh. about him. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, he claimed that he was born Thomas Andrew Parker in Huntingdon, West Virginia, mm. at the turn of the 20th century. However, there is no record of his birth, and he never held a US passport. Oh. Now, Parker also had a brief military career in the US Army that ended in ignominy. In 1932, he had gone absent without leave and oh. served several months in military prison oh. for desertion. Yeah. He was released only after he suffered a, quote, psychotic breakdown, unquote. Okay. And he was actually diagnosed as a psychopath oh. and was discharged from the army. Wow. Now, in the 60s, there had been an article about Elvis published in a Belgian woman's magazine called Rosita, mm. and a Dutch hairdresser by the name of Dankers van Kujik, okay. forgive my pronunciation, 
she was thumbing through it and she saw a picture of Elvis, the king, yeah. with what looked suspiciously like her long-lost brother, right. Andreas van Kujic. Oh. And it turns out that Colonel Tom Parker had been lying about his origins all along and he was actually born in Breda in the Netherlands. Oh, what? And had fled the town one night without telling anyone, including his own family. And this fact has led to some speculation, and I think it's important to stress circumstantial speculation, that he fled the country after murdering a woman called Anna van den Enden and ended up as an illegal immigrant to the US via a ship to Canada. And people have speculated this is the reason why Elvis never toured overseas. I was going to say, yeah, did he, did he not ever leave the country then if he didn't have a well, passport? Well, that's the theory. It was because Colonel Tom Parker didn't have a US passport and couldn't provide the relevant paperwork needed to get a passport because he was an illegal immigrant. That's incredible. So he wasn't American, he was Dutch. Wow. And did you know that he died a relatively poor man? Okay. Um, he supposedly gambled his fortune away in the Las Vegas casinos and people have speculated that he negotiated Elvis's residency at the Vegas Hilton to help pay his debts. So he has had quite the life. That's a real... Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm reeling from that. I mean, he, it's a lot so to he, take in, I he know. Must, so he was an adult when he fled Holland. Yeah, and I think he was but, a young man. But nobody knew he was Dutch, so he obviously hid his accent very well. So I thought that was absolutely fascinating. So Elvis never toured, never toured in Europe. He never toured outside of the, the US. In fact, he came to Britain once, didn't he? he but he only he just landed in, I think it was Presswick uh, Airport in, yeah. in Glasgow, but he never uh, toured here or Europe at all. That is fantastic. Thank you. I thought you'd be pleased with that. Thank you for listening to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. If we have floated your boat or pushed your button, then subscribe by visiting our website, whenonethingleadstoanother.com. We've also added some links to things that we have discovered on this episode, so you too can lose yourself down the great internet rabbit hole of discovery. A massive thanks to Justin Mitchell for letting us use his music as our theme song. It's a track called Homo Erectus, taken from his brilliant album called The Garden of Earthly Delights, which is available to buy from bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Acast for hosting our podcast. Remember to join us next week for another episode of When One Thing Leads to Another. Please note, all facts have been found on the internet and therefore we cannot vouch for their veracity.